0: This is the KNGI Network.
1: Good evening one and all, and welcome to a brand new edition of Viper's VGM chair. As always, I am your cheerful and yet slightly reluctant host, is me, the Green Viper A. And why is he reluctant? Uh, We'll actually be holding onto that information, but it's for good reasons, I I, I think. Maybe not the best way to start off Uh, (laughs) as an introduction, but welcome to the show nonetheless. I'll be with you for the next hour and a bit, and of course, we'll be playing you the music of the soundtracks that you would hear while you were playing the games that you played in June 2023. Really got to stop the convolution on uh, these beginning little chattery bits, but it's what I do best, apparently, is making simple things way too complex in practice. Just trying to jazz them up. We played games in June, let's play the music from them. There you go, it's much more boring but also way more straight to the point isn't it anyways i hope everyone's having a lovely evening so far thank you for joining us live here on the KNGI network no matter how you're listening to it that is where you're listening if you're here at 10 pm on a wednesday or whatever time that translates to wherever you are in the world and well uh, if you're listening on the podcast too know that your support is ever so appreciated so thank you all as well anywhere else how no matter how you're listening in, no matter how you're chatting, appreciate the support. On that note, if you'd like to come and talk to us, if you are listening to the live airing, why not come and join kngio.org forward slash discord? And if you prefer other platforms as well, then why not catch us on at VipersVGMChat? And because everything's always in flames, we are VipersVGMChat at the Vipers.Space. Less downtime in the last year than both Twitter and Blue Sky combined, believe it or not putting it out there. Anyways, I hope everyone's had a lovely week so far. Thank you for joining me, and indeed, if you're listening to this live, thank you for joining me for the first time in two weeks. Uh, Apologize about that one. Got some uh, mixed reactions from that, to say the least, and I did say at the time, and I don't know how many people took it all too seriously, I'm keeping my cards close to my chest, but the aim is, all being well, to premiere something cool next week on this show that will align with the big number 60. Now, I, to be honest, I'll be more annoyed than you if such a thing doesn't happen on the episode 60, because I've, I've been putting some time and effort in on my end, and there's other cogs involved in this wheel as well. Maybe I'm so overselling it a little bit, but I hope it's a fun enough uh, introduction to make on a nice round number. So, I was kind of holding off as a result. I had a bit of a setback to the idea and the project, which therefore meant I needed to lose a week somewhere if I was to still premiere on that number and not on just a weird random number which I know is hugely pedantic but come on you've, you've listened to this show before right? So uh, knowing that after I'd already made the decision that I'd skip a week and take the week off, I decided instead of doing absolutely nothing, I scheduled a stream over on Twitch.tv forward slash the Green Viper 8, and we had a lot of fun over there, but I uh, I get the impression that people thought I uh, skipped a week so I could do a stream instead. No, absolutely not the case. It absolutely went the other way around. I'm hoping I can show you the fruits of not just my labour, but uh, some other parties as well uh, next week on the big old round number, but for now we're here on a very plain old regular episode 59 I'm talking to you about all the games we played during the month of June. And the reason why, going back to that intro, why he's a reluctant Viper is because, well, I already alluded to a couple times throughout the month of June uh, on previous episodes what gaming was like for me in the month and it didn't broaden at all. So, if you all don't get in there and request what you want to hear from what you played, uh, I can tell you right now off the top of my head going to be a very unvaried episode of the show. So if you want to hear all sorts of different things and all sorts of different opinions of your own being read out on the air and hearing your favourite songs, please shoot me a DM. I'm at the Green by Parade over on Discord and that's where we're all chatting like mentioned before. Yeah, my gaming month, uh, I'll actually talk about the games individually. My gaming month started, or I'll talk about them later, sorry. But my gaming month started, <laughs> third time lucky, uh, with... A lot of Crash Bandicoot games actually, that's how I ended off last month. Uh, I got myself on a little bit of a kick of the series and I got through the a good chunk of it in the beginning of the month and then after, after that fad uh, in my own gaming tastes, not tastes but just after the fad died off for me basically, then gaming became very quiet and sparse during the month of June I'd say for the most part. I played Sonic Origins Plus for the sake of giving it a nice old review and also its own live stream uh, over on my other show, over on Pick and Mix. But aside from that, all I really did was listen to podcasts and play Power Wash so I wasn't sitting there in complete silence staring at a wall. So that really ended up being about all I did for the rest of the month. Of course I stream Fall Guys every now and then, but... I'm really playing any music from Fall Guys, because there's not been all that much stuff but I that has been released since I did the Fall Guys show, so I just didn't really view it as worth it. So I did that, so I didn't really think that was worth playing. Power Wash doesn't really tend to have any music, and I uh, used, well, the the broadest sense of a loophole to introduce any different music into the show at the start there, you might have heard. Uh, yeah, that was really about it. I started Pokemon Black 2. I've not finished it, but I started it. But I've I've loopholed at the start of that show. Oh, the start of this show, I should say, because we kicked things off of a track from the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Originally wasn't going to start off the show, but uh, I know how it goes. With the show, I tend to get all my requests during the episode itself, even though there is a week in advance for people to do so. So I didn't want to load the show up too much, but... I was possibly expecting to have a song to start with, <laughs> and I didn't until about 10 minutes before, so I moved stuff from later on the, in the show to the front to give you all the chance to do what you do best, which is kind of muck me around at the last minute for this sort of stuff. So, with that in mind, uh, we kick things off with, yeah, a track from the Spongebob Squarepants movie game. That was Spongebob slash Floating Block Challenge. It's the general theme of the challenge stages that pop up throughout the game. I think the... Uh, challenge episodes of Mario Sunshine I think they went on record as saying that's directly what they were inspired on and it makes sense it was a GameCube game slash sixth gen platform released two years after extremely reminiscent of those challenge stages but it's a really great song Th- uh, really great song that one just goes round in my head it's one of those songs that never gets old and just really nice almost hold music at points so always one that's nice to bring up but the reason I do bring that up is because Powerwatch Simulator had its Spongebob DLC released in June alongside playing the base game, that also released around the time I'd really got back into the base game. So that just happened to be a nice thing to blast through in the month as well. Now, it's a loophole one because Powerwatch doesn't really have any music and the Spongebob DLC is no exception. So we had to find something else from the series to make this not a crash fest. And uh, two is that because I actually finished the Spongebob DLC in July. Now, based on that, why is it not in the July episode when we get around to that in August? Uh, I finished it one minute past midnight (laughs) on July 1st, (laughs) so I finished it one whole minute into July. I won't have anything to say about that game when it comes to August because I will have forgot it all because it would have been like a month and a bit ago. Whereas I played the majority of it in June. I have nothing else to talk about in June. I might have way more to talk about next month, so I'm just gonna lump it in here. So we went with that one, and afterwards, a track from a fantastic soundtrack, but not all that great of a game. It's from Crash Bandicoot: The Wrath of Cortex, and it was Atmospheric Pressure. Anyways, welcome to everyone in the chat room. I hope you've had a fantastic week. Thank you for popping by. If you are indeed in the Discord. Uh, aside from that, uh, I've already mentioned all the other places you can come and listen as well. But currently, we've got Pocket, Larry, Necklace Man, and It's Purvis. So, welcome. Hope you're all having a good one. And yeah, let me know what you played throughout the month of June. That's the main thing we always ask at the start of these shows. But also, what have you been up to this week? What you have been playing? Been having any fun with it? Hope, hope the week is good. Two more days to go and all that. So, hang in there. But for now... Let me know all the usual so we can have a bit of a chatter later on in the show. And while you do so, uh, once again, please feel free to throw in a request uh, for a song. Because I only have one song in this batch currently, so I will shift more stuff forward. You you, you will uh, be making me do so. But yeah, anything you played in June and you want to send a request over for, let me know. The lines are open. That includes uh, that includes Toho. Uh, if if you played it last month, if you didn't, uh, something from Tears of the Kingdom would be fine. I'm not begging, but I I prepared for an eventuality that happens every episode, <laughs> so I'm actually not overstocked on music for once, So th- this might have been a bad idea, but we'll see. Uh, we play these things by ear, after all, don't we? But first of all, we got a, tra- a track from Chicory, A Colorful Tale. It's known as Abandon Me, as requested by Busy Lizzie. One of two songs coming up now because once again really wanted to hear something different this month so as such uh, we got two songs as requested by none other than the playlist Extraordinaire coming up but also plenty of others too. So go ahead and enjoy it and when we come back I'll be talking to you about my individual thoughts on all the games I played in June 2023. A very busy month but also a particularly one note month so Get yourself strapped in, this is Viper's VGM Show, and we're live here on the KNGI Network. Then, welcome back to none other than Vipers VGM chair right here on the KNGI network. We just had there was another track from the Crash Bandicoot series, more specifically from Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. That was Chinese War, the theme of various uh, stages featuring both Coco and Pura, most specifically the stages where Coco rides Pura. It's used across a couple, so as such, the soundtrack listings, uh, at least for this game, tend to kind of lump them all together under one generic name, so it works out quite nicely in that regard. And before that, as requested by Busy Lizzie from Chicory, a colourful tale that was Abandon Me. A lovely song, as all of the chat room seemed to agree there. But now it is time for us to return and for me to talk about what I got up to in gaming this particular month. and. Well, I started it off almost immediately actually because, well, like mentioned, it's very Crash Bandicoot heavy until about the 20th, at which point that all falls off a cliff. I basically get to the end of the traditional Crash Bandicoot series before the uh, Crash Titans reboot happens. That is something I want to go to, but I decided before hitting the point of rapid burnout that I would drop off, so I ended things off after abandoning tag team racing because I didn't enjoy it as I will divulge but also uh, once I'd finished messing about with the GBA platforms as well since the conversation came up about them on a previous episode of the VGM just so I thought I'd give them a go they were cheap enough Uh, so aside from that I got through a good chunk of stuff that I wanted to and then called it quits once I'd Kind of, yeah, got to a good stopping point and uh, didn't want to teeter on the edge of burning out, so I thought it was a good stop while I did. So we started off, uh, first of all, last month, or the month before, in May, I did mention that I had finished Crash Bandicoot. That came up in the episode. Since we were live on Radio Sega, I thought it'd be fun since the music's on the playlist anyway, thanks to the Japanese Switch version be fun to play some music from that game on there as such i've generally tried to avoid the or the insane versions of these two games being played on this show so you would notice there was nothing you wouldn't because there's still half a show left but i'm going to tell you now there's nothing from crash bandicoot 2 either version and in the case of crash bandicoot warped i did end up uh, using the original version which doesn't play in game at all but I, i can play warped music anytime i like on radio sega and that doesn't make it less weird but i don't know it's nice to play something different i guess it's something i can't play otherwise so that's sometimes a rule we try and try and live by here on vipers VGM. gym so that's how it comes that ended up happening yeah on the first i finished crash bandicoot 2 cortex Strikes back and this is a really weird scenario for me because it's a game that i've started a number of times uh, as in, I've always got like a couple stages in, or a couple times I've got like about halfway, if not more, through. But never one I've actually sat and committed to finishing. I always got stuck somewhere or found it a bit too difficult or just didn't come back to it after saving and quitting one night or something. One of those games where that just happened quite a bit. But now that I had the hardest quote unquote of the trilogy under my belt in the form of Crash 1, I was like, fine, it's fine to, time to finally sit down and get Crash 2 done. And going into it, out of the three, of the experiences I'd had of all the three, and having seen them all the way through multiple times through other people's eyes, Crash 2 for sure I thought was going to be the shoe for my favourite, but actually as you'll come to see, I actually think it's my least favourite of the trilogy, at least in the case of the insane remakes, which is so strange, it's still great, but it ended up actually being my least favourite, even taking a backseat to the first game's remake. So I wrote at the time, because this feels like so long ago, and yet it wasn't at all, but it just really doesn't seem like it was just a month ago. So Crash 2 was the one of the original trilogy I was the most familiar going in with, uh, and I I get, I rather get the feeling that the over-familiarity with the fail playthrough attempts and watching a lot of casual and top-level gameplay of this one dulled the edges of the more exciting moments for me. I can recognise that the way it's presented is significantly better. It's much more player friendly as a whole in comparison to the first game and just improves the experience in every conceivable way. And yet my own pre-exposure to it and knowing everything that was coming next actually led to it lacking a lot less of a punch than the new level themes and some of that level design did in Crash Bandicoot 1 in my eyes. It wasn't as new explosive in your face rather it was a very polished sequel in comparison but perhaps the edges were a little dulled out in the process of polishing i honestly felt like which is really weird because i think this is just possibly a remake thing but also even if you look at the originals i mean the original was its own new thing it was unlike anything else it was a 3d platform in kind of the first year when a lot of the big ones were beginning to release and the debate of what one could be was really beginning to properly shape up for the first time so that one was e- even though the presentation of 2 and how it plays and the new moves and the controls are just way better even in the context of the ps1 game it's just that sucker punch of the first one that even in the remake still comes through and feels something fresh that this one just doesn't quite capture in the same way for all of the various and copious improvements it makes and I cannot deny that. It plays 120% better, the levels are way more fair, way more tailor-made to exploration and replayability and everything else. Cannot deny that but sometimes it's just not only about the first impression for me but it's also just about the wow factor and it kind of lacks the wow factor in comparison. Something which future games would try and uh, try and make up for by just shoving as many new flashy things in, you know, the, the jack of all trades, master of none situation. But this one just feels like it takes the first game, really polishes it, but as a result, might maybe miss out on some of the charm that you got from the rough around the edges uh, beginning of the series. It's really a game I'd want to come back to once i spent enough time away from it and the dust has settled, but weirdly finishing it for the first time didn't confirm the opinion I thought it would, that it would be my favourite in the series. Like I'd been convinced for for so many years, it actually ended up slipping down to third place for me. So this was on the 1st of June, then on the 5th I bounced my way back with Crash Bandicoot Warped. The one I thought I'd like the least of the trilogy, I liked it the most. <laughs> uh, so, I begin the review with, you're either a Crash 2 fan or a Crash 3 fan, and that's the line I've heard parroted over and over again, over the years. And for years, I would have wholeheartedly said that I was Crash 2 fan. Something about the lack of gimmicks and the pure laser focus on the style of gameplay that Crash Bandicoot's known for, felt quite comforting to me as a concept, considering I'm into a lot of series that don't necessarily know how to do that sort of thing. Uh, they don't take what works and keep polishing it, they try and reinvent the wheel continuously. I'm sure maybe some images are getting conjured up in your head right now and you know if you talk amongst yourselves I'm sure it might be a bunch of different franchises and you can all collectively agree yes they have that problem. So something about Crash 2 doing the same thing always felt weirdly comforting to me. So a game then that tries to reinvent that wheel by introducing a lot of new gameplay styles and gimmicks do I then worry that it falls into a jumping-the-shark territory? And well, yeah, Crash 3 was a game I always typically avoided based on the pre-assumption that it'd falter, like all the rest do when when it comes time to introduce more variety to the core concept. So weirdly, after having built up this image of Crash 3 in my head as an over-bloated and overcooked sequel, it's actually the one I came away preferring. Engaging storytelling, varied but intriguing level themes, the best soundtrack of the trilogy to all together, and I think the gameplay was perfected to boot. It all comes together in a fantastic package. I still have my problems with the title that peed me off, such as minor control issues and some of the later power-ups feeling unnecessary. I got used to the bazooka gun the more games I played it in, but at the time I couldn't help but feeling it felt a little bit daft. But yeah, overall Crash 3 is a fantastic game that I wish I had played sooner. Well, Crash 3 done and dusted from my whole uh, quest to beat as many games in the series. So what comes next? Yeah, that's right. It's Crash 4. So you already know what comes with Crash 4. It's about time, uh, not the actual Crash Bandicoot 4. I went back to that one first because as much as I was interested to try Raph Cortex for the first time, I played Crash 4 through to completion twice now. With that knowledge, I always thought it was a really solid game. I liked it. Before I'd beaten them all, I liked it way more than the trilogy. Would that opinion still hold up going into it after having successfully played them all back to back? The short answer is yes. So I've played this game for a couple of times now since it's first released, but yeah, basically what it said Does my high opinion still hold up after having played the original three games? Uh, to avoid myself sounding like a broken record, I'll keep it brief, but yes, the tightest and most satisfying of the quadrilogy. Funny, clever and rewarding all at once, and it still makes for a great play for even on repeat. As everyone else says time and time again, skip the collectibles, it's really not worth it and bogs the game down a whole lot more over various other 100 plus percent equivalents in the other Crash games. Someone should really take away the add new tier of gem button from the Toys for Bob team before it gets out of hand again. Despite all this Crash gameplay and a new game in the series coming out this month, I didn't actually get round to it, but uh, luckily I think the whole point of Crash Team Rumble isn't gems and it's Wampa instead, so I might be okay on that front, but if Crash 5 comes out, my god, someone, please. There's like 12 gems per stage, I think, in total, and two or three different sets of relics, right? Like, dude, just, just stop. It's not necessary. I think everyone, looking back on it, tends to think about Crash 4 as the completionist experience because that really just muddied the entire view of it for people because it's so different to just running to the end. But running to the end, it genuinely is the the sharpest one, at least in that traditional formula that they did today. So it does deserve some more screen time. Um, it does deserve a proper real follow-up but let's be honest a lot of things do and never never get them and currently we're focusing on microtransactions the game so who knows what will happen but for now Crash 4 still a great experience still my favorite of the four. Uh, I actually played this game twice this month Uh, I beat Crash Team Racing Nitro fueled once on the 12th and once on the 17th and it really is as stupid as it sounds. First time through was just well I've I played the four games. Let's run through this one. They're not story related all that much, but play through the first three, and it kind of technically was the original way to cap off the trilogy, and now with four and Wrath of Cortex, it's a mess. But fine. I'll play through Nitro Fueled again. I played it when it first came out, I thought it was alright. Didn't think it was as good as everyone had hyped it up to be, because it was hyped as the Team Sonic Racing Killer and the Maricot Killer and the best video game ever. So competitive, I love it. And It's a really fun kart racer, it does have a lot of elements of that in there, I can't deny it, but uh, as long as, now that the hype's died down over the years, and it's it's not as bitter the online discourse about it, it is a fun game for sure. So, I went back through it on a Switch emulator actually, to be able to play it at 60fps, all the console versions are locked to 30, really stupid, no idea why, because it doesn't take that much to get the 60fps working on Switch. Uh, from what I know it is just a simple code tweak and a slight downgrade of like one or two graphics things so they absolutely could have done it on Xbox One and PS4 but didn't but whatever I played on a Switch emulator and unlocked it to 60. It worked brilliantly. So I did that and it all all was well and good and then I kind of had the decision on the 17th that I wanted to nab the game on Xbox to just mess around with the online mode mainly and because it made it the Switch version I have it on the actual Switch console, and the Switch version's fine, but it just has very long load times, extremely long load times, like a minute plus sometimes, on your own console, and online load times on all consoles are pretty bad, so that gets even worse on the Switch. So I just didn't feel like dealing with that all too much, so I wanted a version I could technically take on the go, since cloud saves are way better on Xbox, so I bought it again on Xbox, and I thought, well, if I'm going to be putting a lot of time into this version, then surely, I guess I'll want all of the unlockables for just running through the story mode any percent. So I just kind of skipped the cutscenes, did it in about two hours, and played through it again, just for the sake of getting that save file up and running, so. Yeah, although it wasn't massively out of wanting to play the story mode twice that I did it, I did play it twice in, in one month, and the second time it was just kind of white noise in the background as I just sped through it again, but yeah, it's a pretty enjoyable game. Still going, by the way. Uh, Crash Team Swan. Uh, Crash to Insanity. Uh, I played this on the Xbox as much as I wanted to play it on PS2, my PS2 just didn't really feel like cooperating all that much, so that was great, so back to the Xbox I went. No, wait, I've still got Wrath R- R- Cortex, never mind. I also played Wrath R- Cortex on the Xbox. The PS2 version, at least first print discs, infamous for 40 plus second long load times. Even though it is technically built for PS2 and every other version support, so therefore PS2 technically runs best. Uh, Even despite that, I went to the Xbox version because I knew I could load it off a hard drive, I knew the Xbox ports are typically the best way to play 6th gen games, so I went there and it was a pretty good experience all things considered. It was the best way to play Wrath of Cortex, put it that way. I thought it was alright. Once again, I'm relying a lot on what I wrote at the time because I really do forget what I was up to. (laughs) So there's a good game in there somewhere, it's just buried under a lot of crud a downgrade in pretty much every way over the original trilogy, especially Crash 3 which this game tries so desperately hard to be. This is one of those cases where I believe a remake could make a good game out of the decent bits, but some parts need a big change of direction while others just need a little nudge. It's not totally unsalvageable, but pretty bland to downright bad game at more points than you'd hope. It's fine, but in the context of being a poor emulation of what is regarded by many as one of the greatest platformers and not only that one of the greatest series of all time, uh, but especially how heavily it, it tries to ape on 3 and doesn't do a very good job at it. And it's just timing and the circumstance around the Switch and development teams and just everything about this game kind of, yeah, perhaps the context behind it makes it treated a lot, or gets gets it a lot of unfair treatment. I also think it gets a lot of nostalgic bias, so you really don't win. You either get it's a 1 out of 10, or you get it's a 9 out of 10, from depending on who you ask. Because I, I think there's a lot of people uh, who have the nostalgic goggles very firmly on, because when I played it, uh, I remember people describing it as a beautiful game at points, and uh, it is not good looking in the slightest, I can tell you that for free. Uh, and oh yeah, some, some nice, tough, but rewarding level design, and the... The tough part was basically just sticking uh, nitro crates everywhere which for those of you not familiar if you're somehow not the equivalent of instant death just stuck everywhere that that's how we make challenge in this game. And there's a lot of other factors like that that are just, it's okay, it's not as bad as it's always doom and gloom to be, but oh my goodness, some people also have have a little bit too much fondness for this game. In comparison, it's fine, it's perfectly down the middle, but even then it's kind of teetering both ways in a way I guess, it's, it's conflicting, really conflicting. Back to Twin Sanity, a game I loved going into the playthrough, I still loved it coming out of the playthrough. Um. Yeah, uh, once again, I'm, I'm just still reading what I wrote at the time. I have nothing else to add to this. I probably wrote it better after I was fresh finishing the game versus trying to recall it after having played so many of these things. Uh, not for everyone, but in my eyes it's one of the greats, if not the greatest. The only thing I can really hold against it are factors outside the game's control, which held the title back. Bugs, not enough playtesting in certain places. <sighs> Yeah, shouts to the final boss where I took 50 lives there, uh, over about an hour, just because I couldn't make one single jump, which I'd made in every other level completely fine. It just was really difficult to make and I don't know why, the timing was just in the milliseconds range and really precise to get the angle to be able to hit that millisecond range in the first place. Really stupid. I don't know why they did it like that. I took 50 lives to the first section of the boss. About five or so to the second section, and zero to the third. It was just making it to the third. That's the sort of needed a bit more playtesting design we're talking. It's fine once you get out of the problem areas. Yeah, there's also a lack of checkpoint around bosses, and they all come to mind as issues as well. some like in places as well. These issues likely could have been fixed with more time, and the copious amounts of cut content could have made it in too, but all things considered I can't really blame the title and its ambition as much as I can blame the rush development time and the publisher. Who are really to blame for it, let's be honest. It's got well-thought-out levels, a bold new direction, a great soundtrack, memorable as well, beautiful visuals, and most importantly, a fun game. They make it one of my favourites, if not my overall favourite in the series. It's just a shame it's let down on a few occasions by factors not at the fault of the titles itself, but rather the conditions the devs made it under. There we go, probably my favourite of the bunch I played into a game that was firmly okay. Crash Natural Cart on the 14th then. How am I doing for time? How long have I been speaking for? Yep, that looks about right. a <laughs> so Crash Natural Cart, I've played this on the GameCube because apparently it actually runs better than the Xbox version. Because that makes sense, I guess. Um, I, I, I remember being peeved at this because the rest of the game took about an hour. Uh, and then I wrote, special shout out to the final boss being so bad. That it docked the game half a star alone. Even Twin Sanity's barely playtested final boss didn't drag the game down that badly for me. Didn't, th- sorry, didn't think I'd spend three hours of my life. Thought it was just two? No, it was three. I counted. Didn't think I'd spend three hours of my life trying relentlessly to beat the cheating final boss of a children's racing game. Yet here we are. And a special, um, frick, a special frick you to the bait and switch ending. And after going to that, all oh, that? No credits? It's worth mentioning that uh, starting with Crash 3, all of the games did this really annoying thing that I hate in other games and I kind of just put up with in these ones where you get to the ending and it's like, congrats, you beat me, but as long as you don't have all of the games collectibles, you see, as long as you haven't 100% of the game, I'm still out there, I'm still the winner or whatever. They do this from Crash Free onwards, and it's honestly something I hate, and yeah, I, I, I get it, the true ending's gotta be worth striving for, but I, I also don't think not giving you an ending at all is okay, but like, whatever, you still get a credits roll, it's fine, that, it's like I did still kick Cortex's butt, but you know, maybe, canonically, uh, he could get saved by one of the other villains, you know, because I didn't get all of the gems or whatever. It's closed enough, but unclosed enough to just be annoying at the back of your head, but it's fine, whatever. This game doesn't even give you credits. Straight up, the guy uh, the guy you're racing against, Velo, the entire plot centers around you being sent to his space colony and trying to make your freedom... You have to gain your freedom and also beg for him to not destroy Earth. So, at the end of the game, you get a bait and switch. You get your freedom, but if you go back to Earth, he'll just destroy it anyway which everyone agrees is a complete break of the rules, but he's VLO, he, he destroys planets, he does what he likes. That's the end of the game. You don't get credits for this. This is the only one that you don't get credits for. So not only is the ending even more insulting than the Alphabet and Switch endings, you don't even get credits, and that that would already just hit my wounds bad enough, but after three hours of the worst rubber banding in the world and not only that whenever he's ahead of you he can throw the equivalent of red shells at you all the time when he's ahead when he's ahead not even when he's behind when he's behind he gets even more catch-up stuff horrendous boss fight followed by just like if, if that was practically gnawing my arms down to the wounds then they just found not not a tub of salt but the entire bag of salt, just poured it on, poured it on, I felt just insulted doesn't even begin to describe it, dear lord, that, that really grinded my gears, yeah, miss me of that was all I put in response, I forgotten what else I was gonna say about the game, same when I'm actually reading this out live, which speaks volumes about how forgettable it was over the original CTR, Other than all those complaints, it's an alright kart racer. It never even comes close to the dizzying highs of CTR or the remake, it's just okay. It's on the better end of 2000's mascot platformer kart racing games, or just mascot kart racing games in general, which while a bunch of companies involved in this game would just go on to spam out over the 2000's, it's on the upper echelon, but it doesn't even come close to being a good kart racing game. It just—it's good for the lower band of society. It is stuck with it, I guess. That's about the best I could say. Uh, Crash Tag Team Racing. I—I I thought it was absolute codswallop. Let's go with that. Really grating, unfunny writing. Bad frame rate on all consoles. Just the sort that just makes it a slog to play when doing anything makes things crawl down to single figures. Load times that took forever, the most vapid both track design and racing. It tries so hard to be both a racer and a platformer at the same time but because it's spending its focus on both it gets neither of them right, it's just I don't get why people defend this one so much. I I just couldn't stand it. It just felt like the cheapest of the cheap licensed game, and that's all Crash kind of really was at this point in time. Was just a license that was chucked around studios, and this was the last before the Activision purchase. But even then, the same dev still went on to uh, work on Crash of the Titans and that whole reboot series. So you kind of just get that feel going into it. But even those games are generally way more solid, from what I know at their cores, than this just. Sloppy mess of a game. Did not enjoy it. Had to drop it. like an hour or two in. Could not finish it. Crash Bandicoot the Huge Adventure for the GBA. I'll keep this brief because I've been speaking for half an hour. Hampered by perspective jank quite a bit. Otherwise a fun but short platformer that's a nice translation of the PS1 games to the GBA. Nothing groundbreaking from the level design perspective but really technically impressive. Shoutouts to VV, the goats of the GBA. And uh, Crash Bandicoot 2 Entrance, the sequel, which, if we know anything about Crash sequels, should, should flesh it out and give us more varied levels and whatever. Makes a few improvements over the original, but ends up losing out over the original because the emphasis on meta, flat out bad gimmick stages, even more repetitive level themes. They repeat the same kind of levels like every two stages, it's really infuriating. Like how you had the medieval stage in the Crash stages in three and but you also had the you also had the prehistoric stages and you had the Arabian stages. It's just the Arabian stages. It's it. Coco gets plane levels in the middle of nowhere, Crash gets sea levels just in the sea, but in terms of whenever you just have a platforming level, it's either Arabian or Lava. They're the two themes. It's like 10 plus in the console versions, even the original, it's a bit repetitive, that's like 5 or 6, it's still more than the 2 or 3 you see all game in this game, it's it's not good. It's, in that sense, it's a fine game otherwise, but yeah, on top of all that as well, infrequently frustrating level design. It's not frustrating all the time, it's not frustrating often, but when it is, it really got at me, I gotta say, I just couldn't, couldn't hack it. Anyways, that's about all I did for gaming in June 2023, aside from, of course, a bit of power washing here and there, and some Sonic Origins Plus, which I've already spoken all about. I did have one pretty major, in my opinion, gaming purchase in uh, June 2023, but I know it's a story that Aluri shared as well, because that just happened to line up nicely on both of our parts. Happened completely accidentally, so I can talk about that in the next break, because we really need some music. I've spoken for half an hour. On that note, if you have anything you want to hear, if your name is Jamie, because you've definitely finished something this month, I know it, uh, please let me know what it is you want to hear. I've got one minute worth of music in this next batch. So uh, <laughs> I think Jamie's The University's not got a request because I I stuck in some Tears of the Kingdom music. So, uh, so uh, be, be happy, Purvis, and it's not, it, it, it's not a spoilery song. If you've opened the game, you've heard this song. Yeah, but but uh, some some music, (laughs) some music for anyone, please. (laughs) Alright, see, so I mentioned this at the top of the show, but those of you who aren't here, because we've also got Hydro as well as Jamie who joined me, um, my whole point is in the middle of the show, every week, I get like three requests, um, and I have to even make room and chuck out my own music or I just play more music. So I thought this week I'd be sensible about that because I knew everyone wanted to hear nine songs worth of Crash. I'll be sensible. I won't front load this with music. And what happened was no one sent me their request in advance or even at the start of the show. So it's like, ah, this is effectively turned into e-begging except completely free e-begging. So that's great. Okay, cool. I've got a song from Jamie. I'm literally getting it downloaded as we speak. It's all good. <laughs> I'm sorry. This episode has turned out to be way more desperate than it is. But like I said, I'm I'm also saving you from an influx of very similar sounding Crash Bandicoot music here, because as great as those soundtracks are, I've played you the unique ones. You know, there's like kind of three styles. You got at least of the ones I played. You've got the whole original Crash trilogy. You know, Josh in his prime. You got. Wrath of Cortex with the bangers out of nowhere and you got Twin Sanity with the, uh, what's the word, the acapella songs. Aside from that, they all kind of fit into one of those three categories, roughly. Like, I guess you got chiptune in case of the GBA stuff as well. But yeah, in terms of music, genres, and compositions, yeah, there's a lot of variety, but if you hear nine of them in a row of roughly three similar categories, you would kill me. So I'm just doing you all a favor. <laughs> And yeah, Larry says as well, even in the case of the chiptune GBA ones, they just all pull from the original trilogy as well. So I was like, fine, I, I won't subject you to this. I'll-, I'll leave it blank. And then what happened is I have now scrambled <laughs> to try and ask people for requests throughout the episode. So <laughs> thank you to everyone who has helped out. I appreciate it. I'm sorry for the e-begging. Uh, content will return to normal soon. But instead of asking for money, I'm asking you for great music that we can all enjoy. So I like to think that's a 50-50 on both of our parts, right? Anyway, enough gabbling man, let's get on with some music from The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. If you've not played it at all, then maybe this is a spoiler, but I'm pretty sure this is safe if you have, because uh, it's just the title screen theme, so if you've opened the game, if you played it, you've heard this one. Purpose has been playing a lot of Tears of the Kingdom yet again, rather unsurprisingly, so thought I'd get you on high track from the game. Enjoy, and I'll be back with you very shortly to talk about your gaming history in June 2023. E aí Back, a transition so good there that I was tabbed into, well, something else, probably an internet browser or something. Genuinely didn't realise the cha- <laughs> the track had changed. That was a request from Jamie there. South Park, the Stick of Truth, the main menu theme, a great song. I, I know South Park, the Stick of Truth, is meant to be a great game, but it's not the sort of game I just put good music from. I know it sounds really stupid, but just not the sort of thing. Not that I'm saying it'd be bad, but I don't know. It's just not a game that ever gets discussed for its music, so I just never even thought about it. Same with the sequel. And then before that from *Legends of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, that was the title screen theme. Just to save people from spoilers, but still get something relevant in the show anyway. So then, let's talk about gaming during the month of June for everyone down in our lovely chat room. So yeah, let's start from the very beginning and I'm guessing, uh, I'm I'm actually not guessing I know that we're going to start with a message from Ellery. Or are we? Because, as a matter of fact, the paragraph from Ellery isn't first this time. Not this month? No, none other than someone called <coughs> <coughs> It's Purvis uh, actually got in a message first. And Well, when you see the size of the message, you'll uh, probably not have to think too long as to how it got in before. Larry's usual paragraph. The answer is, uh, the message reads, quote, still in the Tears of the Kingdom minds. There we go. That was the answer to the question there. Uh, <laughs> and in response, he said, look, you said playing in June, that limits my options. I-, I totally get it. Look, Tears of the Kingdom is still an ongoing thing for most people. They've got like 20% in it or something and have only got 200 hours in it. Come on. You can't judge me for that sort of thing something like that, that's what I've heard from multiple friends still, and yeah, I've heard various other people who've skirted through the game and have done everything they wanted to do months ago and been in some cases running through it again, which Tears of the Kingdom people are just mad. Uh, not quite able to respect that graft quite yet because I'm not there, still haven't played Breath of the World, still don't really have an opportunity to get around to it, maybe someday for £50, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we, we go over this time and time again and people will never relent because Breath of the Wild is the greatest piece of media ever to exist, so I'll have to keep answering this question for the next couple YEARS! I hope you enjoy it anyway, that's more my point. <laughs> I don't have anything against anyone and I will probably get around to it at some point, but yeah, I just haven't. Still haven't. Not that bothered about spoilers, so I play the music that you want to hear and apparently that is nothing because you're also, believe it or not, concerned about spoilers wimps <laughs> anyways uh we've also got nicholas Man down in the chat a big hello to the demon satanic ruler whatever the new title abbreviation edition is of the day uh welcome i uh, i i don't know where this is going <laughs> nice to see him in the chat it's been a long while since we've had a vgm chair filled with his gaming knowledge uh speaking of gaming knowledge someone with a lot of it and uh a lot of want to share it is none other than the, the paragraphs here. Eh, that, that's how I'm going to introduce it this time. Um, the start of June didn't really have much. I jumped from game to game and did a bit of Sonic Origins. The interesting stuff happened in the last couple of weeks. I brought myself a D- I bought myself a DS Lite and a few DS and GBA games. I win. Bad grammar. Epic win for me. Okay. Um I wanted a device that wasn't for the digital titles, I had a big focus on the internet, so in other words, that's why I'm looking at getting a flash cartridge. Caught. I'd say I'm nostalgic for the light and it had access to two great libraries. I'm trying to avoid going at this with a collector mindset, so I've kept my library small and won't be buying games until I've had my fill with a few of these in hopes of avoiding having too many distractions and actually getting through them. Starting with what I beat is Sonic Advance, although this was done too late to fall under June. Not quite as bad as one minute after midnight not falling into June, but uh, <laughs> hate when that sort of thing happens on these shows. As long as you played the bulk in in one month, and I don't care too much. But at the same time, uh, <laughs> I was really strongly debating up to the last minute whether I uh, even bothered talking about the Power Wash SpongeBob DLC <laughs> because of that exact reason. Um, so yeah. Uh, But as I finish this in June, I've also played Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Explorers of Time, Sonic Colours, Mother 3, Link to the Past, that being the GBA version, and Donkey Kong Country 2, also the GBA version. I've also grabbed Pokémon Pearl, Soul Silver, White, White 2, and Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, but haven't started those yet due to having two RPGs on the go. Sounds like it's been quite the undertaking, from what I've heard, and hope you've really been enjoying it. It sounds, yeah, they're two great libraries of games. Both a little bit overlooked in comparison to console titles, but also some great ports of console titles equally. So a really perfect handheld to go to actually, because you see so many people going, oh just go to the GBA and get a modded one with like all these fancy bits on it, and it's like sometimes gotta keep it basic. It's a great console. Even if it is backwards compatibility, most people are playing real hardware, blah 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 blah. It is real hardware still technically, it's all in the GBA slot. Two great libraries like you say really portable, great battery life, good screens, a uh, good set of features on the console itself. I think a great thing to slim down your gaming library and get through some of the classics. Now, did I get my DS for the same reason? Absolutely not, but by pure coincidence on the same day that Larry got her DS, my DS finally arrived because I decided, you know what? Uh, I didn't decide on the DS Lite, I got one kicking about. To be honest, the DS Lite's fun, but uh, I don't like the f- face buttons all that much and I don't like the way the GBA card sticks out the bottom. So I always remember the DS Fat being a bit of a delinquent console, just never having much interest in it. It was the weird DS my sister had for about a year before we all upgraded to lights and I just remember it being this weird clunky beast that just felt like a prototype that shouldn't have been on the market and the DS Lite was the proper DS that they should have just released in the first place. So, this was really my first time. I was kind of lured into it because I'd been getting a little bit interested in just casually playing Mario Kart DS on the side. And by playing, I don't mean just stand playthrough. I mean kind of messing about with the whole time trial s- scene. Not in the sense of getting good at the game or anything, but rather just kind of learning the whole tech of Mario Kart, you know, getting good at snaking and more the aspect of personal improvement rather than I'm going to become the world's most epic player of this. Just, huh, this would be interesting. So I kind of looked into options because I've always found that game super uncomfortable in my hands. Uh, so I looked into options and almost everyone agreed on the DSPAD because of the D-pad it having better uh, ba- bumper pod- <laughs> bumper paddles. Uh, for drifting, and just generally the bigger bulk of the unit having a bit of a better grip when it comes to playing that game. So I thought, interesting, if I can find one for the right price at some point, I'll nab it. And it came up, I got one for £30 uh, in light blue, which was the colour I wanted, because I am a blue enjoyer, despite being a green viper, I'm weird like that. I really enjoy green, it's the aesthetic colour, but blue is my actual favourite colour, so I tend to look out for handhelds or controllers in the thing. Hence why I've just built a transparent blue Xbox One slash series controller if you've seen my Mastodon recently. Didn't post it on Twitter because I don't post much on Twitter anymore, so hey, go and follow me over there. It's at the Green Evaporate at the VIP Vipers Don space. So. Yeah, because of that, I kind of kept an eye out for the perfect deal for a while. One finally came along, didn't have a charger and that was the reason why it was so low. Doesn't matter, I have a GBA SP, the same charger, which is another reason why the DS fans so weird. Because it used the charger from the old gen system before the weird DS Lite charger came along and slimlined it and then eventually I just stuck to the same one for the DSi's and all the 3DS's. But yeah, never had one before of my own and the times I remember having it, I just remember it feeling like a really flimsy basic design that got iterated on to be way better. I had a DS Lite for like a year or two and then I moved on to the DSi and that was just permanently my DS. I didn't upgrade to the 3DS until like 2016, so that was just my DS for nearly, uh, I'd say the not ten years but the best part of ten years, right? So, going back to the old model then, I love it. Genuinely, the only complaint I have is the lack of backlights on the screen. It is unfortunately side-lit, but it's side-lit in a way that's better than the GBA, so the screens are still very easy to see. But honestly, aside from that, my favourite. The D-pad is awesome, and I'm not just talking because I was playing that Mario Kart DS. The D-pad is like one of Nintendo's best D-pads ever made. The perfect amount of clicky, it's got the right amount of grip on it. It's better than all of the other DSD pads combined. Um, I've I've always hated how mushy the one on the light was, but then in turn hated the click of really all future DS ones. They're either clicky but not responsive enough in the case of some of the DSi ones, or they they're just all click and no give in the case of the 3DS ones. But it's perfect. It's just that right balance. Way better than like most of their console ones. I mean. Everyone, the Switch is a low bar for most people. I don't mind the four face buttons, to the D-pad, but like way better than the GameCube and even the N64 D-pads and stuff like that, and the classic controllers. It's awesome. Why didn't why didn't they ever use this for anything else? And why did they just drop this design going forward? It's fantastic. Face buttons are just the right amount of clickiness as well. Uh, I lo- I love holding it because it's actually got. It, It's past 11, I can say. It's got some girth, right? It's got a bit of girth to it. It's way easier to hold than the really ultra-thin DS's they made later on. The colours are great. The actual design of it's awesome. I love the placement of the face buttons. I love the fact that the GBA slot tucks in. The GBA games are perfectly flush, like the DS cartridges. Love that. That's so nice to me, because that's always something that bugs me about the light, was just the way they just stick out the end. Everyone can see what you're playing. Um, it doesn't ever it feels secure but there was just always something that really bugged me about them just nearly being halfway out the bottom so having having that on the DS fat i love that just the the cartridges can sit flush away. You also get access to, uh, in the case of both the DSN and the like, you get access to GBA homebrew, so I've been using it to back up my whole library, move saves across from emulator to my actual cartridges, in the case of the Crash games, because I ended up playing them on emulator, um, just because I was having some problems with the usual setup I used to play Game Boy games on the TV. It was a bit of a faff to get it fixed. So was like, fine, I'll stick it on emulator and then uh, use the DS to actually import the saves I'd made on emulator back to the cartridge. Stuff like that's awesome. And a bunch of homebrew on there to uh, add, the, add the event tickets into the Gen 3 games and, uh, you know, move the Pokemon from the Gen 3 games into the Gen 4 stuff if you've only got the uh, R4 versions, for example. Uh, just listing an example there. Um, So I've been messing with a whole bunch of homebrew that's only possible with the slot 2 access as well. Man, that's a whole new world. I I get where you're coming from. It's great. Um, It's really fun. So I've also been delving into both libraries as a result as well. Um, It's not too much of a deep dive, but certainly since getting the console, I have started uh, playing Pokemon Black 2 with the partner in Crime. We've both been having a lot of fun with that. And I do intend to play some more games on the console as well as a result of it just so comfortable and I'm someone with small hands as well it's worth pointing out so it's not even like most people just oh the DS's are too small or whatever even in my position I struggled with some of the later DS models uh, than on XL ones and how small they were but then some of the XL ones like the 3DS XLs just blow up the image in a way sometimes that doesn't always look all that great and it's weird to describe but as, as a handheld the DS fat despite Despite, like I said, it feeling like a bit of a delinquent console, it's got so much character that they then missed out on future DS's as they just streamlined them into a brand, and I get it, it's understandable, but you know, after a point it was like DSi, another DSi, the 3DS was very similar to the DSi, the 3DS XL was very similar to the D- you know, they all felt like the same family, and even the light, to a lesser extent, did. Uh, it felt like it fit more on that side. It's, it's just got so much character as it's, its own system as of... This is the DS, this is where this all began, and every other model tried to distance itself so much from this one, and as a result, playing games on it, uh, like, yeah, the screens are like half the size of the SIXL, and they're properly backlit, and they're bright and beautiful. Yeah, I prefer playing games on the fat, with its non-backlit screens, because you just feel like, sometimes like playing on a console that's perfect for you, is just half the story, and half the enjoyment in a game. I'm uh, Genuinely, so much enjoyment out of these games playing on this console and this great D-pad. Cannot get over how good it is. Really, somehow take my enjoyment of that library to the next level, which I just didn't think would happen. I've always, despite it being a childhood console, just been a bit air eh, on the DS library. Just, uh, it wasn't, you know, I guess just never found the right games and, well, maybe never even found the right system for it, but maybe I'm finally getting there and gonna appreciate the library as a whole a bit more now. And plus with the fat I have the option to capture mod it down the line as well which I think you can do with the later systems but the fat's by far the easiest and most readily available and people also do on skin because of the whole comfortability thing of it so yeah it opens up a lot of options to me and that was another reason for Navig in the first place but that was a big part of my gaming history because I oh in that month I should say because I know that was a big part of Larry's as well so it made the most sense to leave that till now but yeah Glad to hear you're having great fun with your GBA. Keep playing some great games. I know you've been playing Mother 3. Mother 3 is fantastic. I know I should get to it, but I should get to Earthbound and Earthbound Origins as well, so it won't happen anytime soon, but uh, I know everyone loves those games, so keep at it. Uh, They're great stuff. Uh, so, aside from that, uh, Jamie said he needs to go back to Yaxa Zero, but in the meantime he finished the uncensored version of the South Park Stick of Truth. We had Nicholas Apan, who said, I don't think I played very much of it, but I'm pretty sure early in June I tried some Body Slam, also known as Dump Matsumoto, which is a Sega System 16 game from 1986. I never figured out how the controls worked, though, despite all the time I spent on the test menu. Says that the punch and kick buttons work, but they just weren't doing anything for me mid-game. Also, I keep getting body slammed by my opponent within two seconds and get a game over. I guess that's the experience I've had. And because of my desperation for music in this show, I'm actually overfilled again. <laughs> Believe it or not, this always happens. Always happens. No matter even despite the best attempts to combat it. Because of that, I've actually taken on a request from a Sega game. Shock horror, I know, but it's been a long time since we've had Nicholas Mann man here, so we'll give him a treat and have a song from a Sega game I've personally never heard of or heard the music from, so kinda counts to the mission order of this show, I suppose. Uh, Hydro says, Hold it! Because he's been playing the Phoenix Bright Trilogy on the Switch, as it was 66% off during the summer. Only halfway through turn, turn about Samurai out of the moment, but really enjoying it. I wanna get into Ace Attorney. I've seen a streamer I enjoy playing the series so far, and I'd be really bad at it, and I know those games can sometimes be a little bit punishing uh, if you're not the greatest at them, so I want to, but I definitely have to build my way up to it. I know certainly a lot of people were saying, if you enjoyed Murder the Sonic the Hedgehog, then you should play Phoenix Attorney. Phoenix, Phoenix right? Ace Attorney, the greatest visual novel series ever or whatever. I heard that a lot. Um, but I still feel like for me there's one more stepping stone I need in between the two so... Uh, I did hear uh, since, well, a uh, Partner in Crime played it this month that it sounds like at least de- Detective Pikachu sounds like a bit like a baby mode of Ace Attorney, so maybe that's the middle ground I go to and then I go, right, feeling confident in my detective skills, it's time to go in and uh, finally get to that one, but yeah... Uh, I'll, I'll do it but you know just saying this i'll have a million messages saying play it but uh, yeah uh and purpose comes back in with phoenix Wright is a beautiful thing please enjoy it to the max uh Pocket says i know the trilogy remake is technically better but i don't think i'd want to give up touch controls if i can help it exactly i know that on the microphone is a big deal for still staying on the ds version for a lot of people That and I know there's uh, always with remakes there's always the debate of do you prefer the original graphics or do you prefer the upscaled HD ones and I know that's still an ongoing issue on that so just play the one you prefer. Uh, But yeah, aside from that, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of messages about (laughs) Ace Attorney from this point onwards. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy Ace Attorney oh yeah we were talking about uh, crash tag team racing obviously I messed out the best part uh pocket Larry mentions yeah of course you can bup and fart in the loading screens and you can use the control stick to mess with the pitch remember when I said the humor of that game really grated on me very quickly uh, would you believe it when I said that that despite being completely optional was very much one of the things uh, that I felt about that game that was grating. Right, so Jamie said, he's actually got his paragraph of his own. It's time for the Jamie paragraph, people. Just want to say about Sticker Truth. It's a great game for any South Park fan with a ton of references from the show. The game itself is a turn-based RPG which lets you play as the new kid who moves into South Park. As you start, you practically get forced to go outside and make new friends, with the first one being Butters. Good luck. <laughs> Um, some of the elements are based on one episode where they're playing Lord of the Rings and also based on, at the time of release, a three-part story arc on Black Friday with the boys arguing whether or not to get a PS4 or Xbox One, which divides them. Poor sods who got the Xbox One on day one. <laughs> it got better as the years went on, but oh boy, yeah, they were in for a world of pain those first couple years. Uh, anyway, the story takes takes a lot of turns. Being and Hang on, wait, I just realised. They were arguing about whether to get a PS4 or Xbox One. Wasn't the game only on PS3, 360 and PC for like a year or two, when it came out in 2013? Bearing in mind the 360 didn't have backwards compatibility till about 2015. Feels like a really weird marketing tie-in. Moving on, uh, the story takes a lot of turns. Being the new kid, fighting in school, getting abducted by aliens, fighting underpants knowns, which leads to you getting shrunk and fighting under your parents while they're having their fun time. Of course, they are uh, fighting Nazi zombies and going to Canada, which is based on retro RPGs. As a fan of South Park, I loved it. As a game, I loved it. Shame the level cap is 15. Really? It's as low as that. I don't know an awful lot about the game, but it was pretty big at the time. I remember hearing a lot about it just based on that. On top of it, I got it from the US eShop, as the American version and the PC version is uncensored. I played it when it initially released on the 360 and PS3, but Europe and Australia got it censored by Ubisoft, it seems. They censored minigames. I, uh, why? I'm not reading. I can't read this out. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I can't even give you euphemism. Even for my shows, I can't read this out in its full entirety. Uh, involving naughty things and um, and uh, re- removals of pregnancies, uh, and I wanted to finally play the game in its entirety. Yeah, they really heavily cut around that in the original releases, I remember, and I think the Australian one has even more cuts than the European ones. It was very humorous in the way which they did it, but they didn't attempt to uh, replace the content or even really explain the content. I seem to recall it was just, you're not allowed to have nice things because Europe says we can't make these really, (laughs) really in-your-face jokes. So I remember that whole thing at the time, but it's weird. If you're playing that sort of game, it's never going to go down well when you tell people that you can't have that sort of content. So just, just at some point you just got to leave it in, haven't you? But they didn't. They still haven't. So people like Jamie will still go out of their way to import it to play the full game and not just have random parts cut out in its entirety. Here, um, Hydro said in regards to the DS Lite, the DS Lite has unreal battery life. Mine's been in the loft for twelve years now, and every time I go up there and fire it up, it still has battery. I know. Like my actual DS Lite is in my childhood one. I must, I mustn't have charged that for ten years. I cannot have charged that for 10 years and I turned it on uh, a couple months ago and it was in the red. I turned it on again the other day because I actually bought uh, the Guitar Hero DS game and unfortunately it didn't have the attachment to change it to DS fat mode so I had to use the light to test it. So I boosted it up remembering that last time it was on red. It went back to green again. Those things are insane. How does that happen? Meanwhile. Obviously, the Switch is uh, doing uh, punching really above its weight, even if it has aged a little bit. Um, you know, it's punching way above its weight, so I get that doesn't have great battery life. But, like even the 3DS didn't have the GOAT tier battery life that the DS Lite had. That's just a god. But anyway. Uh, so, what if we had aside from that? I don't really know. Uh, yeah, there we go. Larry said play it in regards to Tony. I will, but uh, since. I don't know. I feel like wanting a stepping is like I can't. I can't read that. You don't have to keep typing it. That's even worse than the last one. I couldn't read. <laughs> I, I, I. There's a line in on the show. And I, I. I'm not
0: crossing it.
1: <laughs> Anyways, we've got some music covered up for you now. And let me check to see. Nope. Okay. I'll stick that in a bit later on in the block. So for now, let's kick things off. With a bit of Sega music, courtesy of Nicholas Haman, who wanted something from Body Slam. Afterwards, we should have a track from the original ace Attorney, Phoenix Wright, requested by Hydro. Then we got a track requested by Alari, and finally a Crash Twin Sanity track that I wanted to slap in at the end. So an extra long music break coming up now, despite my best efforts, there's still more music than this show can handle, and maybe that's a good thing, but. This episode is on its way to being an extreme long one, so let's get into it, this is Viper's VGM, Chip, we are on the KNGI Network, and it's nearly time to end off tonight's episode, but not before a block of four great tunes.
0: Thank you. website at (laughs) kngi.org.
1: vipers vgm ship right here on the KNGI network what you just heard there was a track from crash twin sanity it was twisted humiliate the theme of none other than rock slide but my page isn't loading come on you can do it rock slide rumble there we go i love crash twin sanity soundtrack and it's not just for the unique factor of its acapellaness it even if you played all of the songs on real instruments i still think it would be a favorite soundtrack of mine it's really good uh, one of those few that... Ev- I can remember every song, both in the context it's used in-game and just as a song itself. You can kind of remember every melody. It's not one of those soundtracks where I skip from go, Oh yeah, this song exists, or Ugh, skip, skip. It's like, I remember every single one, uh, they regularly kind of go around in intervals. It's just one of the really memorable soundtracks in-game. It- um, I have no idea if it's true, but certainly uh, it's a fact that's regurgitated a lot, and I can't think of any info to the contrary, but we have the right people here to disprove it, but I'm pretty sure it is, once again, unless the information comes out, otherwise it is the first completely a cappella video game soundtrack in existence, and that was all the way back in 2004. A few years forward, in 2006, though, we had a track from Mother 3. You don't think of it as being that new, I guess. because you think of it as a GBA game? But it was a very late GBA game. Um, I can't remember when it was like. Ap- I know it's 2006. Was it April 2006? I want to say. Two years after the DS was already out in Japan and all the rest of the world as well. So uh, I think it was more just we spent so much time on this game moving consoles. It's just coming out on GBA and I still think it's a great game. It's one of arguably, if not the most memorable soundtrack on the GBA to me. It's still one of those soundtracks that so regularly gets remixed in the fan sense, but also officially gets rearranged so often and still sounds so good. I think it's just strength and testament to its melodies. and. Uh, as well, how it interacts with the game, because uh, even despite its, I guess it gets carried quite a lot by its status of being the Nintendo game that for Western audiences slip through the cracks, as in a game Nintendo assumed wouldn't be popular here, but actually would have been incredibly popular. Because well, Earthbound didn't do well, so why wouldn't why would this do well? But well, over the years, there definitely would have been the demand for it, and even if it didn't do well at retail, it would be one of their most fondly remembered games if they had gone through with the translation. Uh, instead, it just kind of lives on in infamy as the the one that got away, because, well, you don't hear people crying down Nintendo's doors for the Captain Rainbow port anytime soon, because, well, it's popular in its circles, but it's not wanted by millions like the mother free translation is, and at this point, I really don't think we're going to get it. I feel like we would have seen it. Maybe GBA Online will throw a twist, but I really do think we would have seen it by now if they were honestly going to put the effort in. Um, which is a real shame because I know Mother 3 is a lot of people's favourite in the series and even if you didn't enjoy Earthbound I think people still get stuff out of Mother 3 but yeah I think it's just testament to how good the storytelling is and how well the music ties into that thematically and just how good the melodies are in general that it's still such a remembered soundtrack because... Although a lot of it's reused from Mother One and Two, I do believe. Um, unfortunately, I think I, th- I see estimates of about half of it's reused from uh, the GBA ports of those games, or at the very least, is rearranged versions of the first and second games. But Mother Three certainly, yeah, its original compositions are some of Nintendo's most memorable <laughs> by far they're always the standout stars of a lot of smash soundtracks for a lot of people and I, I know they're always one of the ones I go back to despite not really knowing that much about the series myself uh, in, in that situation and always a lot of interest in the fan arrangements as well so great soundtrack great to hear it on the show all because Alara's been playing it during June Mother Free, big shots theme you're all surprisingly civil with the fact it was called big shots theme I was very surprised by that for that a track we played the Ace Attorney 5 version of about two weeks ago, <laughs> two three weeks ago. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. I'm pretty sure that was the GBA version, but maybe it was, maybe it was the DS one. I don't know. The release GSF 2005, so it might have been the DS one, but I'm not sure. Anyone with more knowledge, let me know. But from the original Ace Attorney, regardless, that was Pursuit Corner the Culprit requested by Hydro. Kicking off the block, the most System 16 arcade track you've ever heard, my goodness. It had elements of all of the soundtracks on System 16 there. It had the drums of Fantasy Zone, had the shredding guitar of... I now can't think of another example, but all of the instruments felt like they had their own unique origins or certainly most memorable appearances in other games and just felt like a mishmash of the bunch. Body Slam, also known as Dump Masamoto, that was a round one requested by the ham Man himself. Now it's time to end off the show so I'd like to give a huge thank you to everyone who's been joining us throughout tonight's episode. We have had the lovely Nicholas Mann, Jamie, Hydro, Purvis, Pocket Aluri, and any others I might have missed as well, feel free to give me a wave. What's coming up on next week's episode then? I mentioned it was such a big episode uh, for a reason, as long as that reason does go through. Uh, What would you say if I actually didn't know (laughs) what was coming up on the episode itself? Episode 60 normally isn't that big of a deal, but I'll think of something for it, uh, given the occasion. Some, I've got some fun ideas in the pipeline, I've always got a, a list of ideas, and oh, I'll see what one comes to fruition. But regardless, definitely a, a Vipers VGM chat next Wednesday at 10pm UK time here on the KNGI Network. In the meantime though, come and join me, sorry, come and join GV Beats superstar DJ, How could I I mix these things up? Come on, get with it Viper! But join the wonderful, the marvellous, the one and only GV Beats over on RadioSega.net this Friday at 7pm UK time as he brings you a brand new episode of his brand new show, Wrong Play. He's going to be celebrating the anniversary of the very special Golden Axe by playing you all the music you need to hear from Golden Axe. So join in for that one, that's on radiosaga.net. Wrong Play at 7pm UK time. But for now, though, I'm going to leave you with one more track, and this is another one requested by the partner in crime, as she shall now be known for the rest of this episode. So, not all that much longer, to be honest with you. This was a game I didn't play myself this month. Still didn't get round to all things Surprisingly Considered because you would would have thought I would have got to this straight away. But finally, they made a new Hatsune Miku Switch game. They made about three in a row, uh, three three puzzle games in a short succession last year, and they've slowly been trickling their way onto Windows PC and Steam. And then after that they just kind of stopped after the first three. But they're back with a new one and it's got an actual story mode to it and stuff as well. I've watched quite a lot of it over the shoulder but I've not played it myself yet. But this was a request by none other than her. So from Miku, the Plant of wonder and fragments of wishes. This is Avillion episode, possibly? least Avilion ep 22 sincerity leads to heaven. Thank you for listening. If you have been, I have been Viper, and this has been another edition of Vipers VGM Chair. I'll catch you next week at 10pm UK time for a show very similar to always, but very special in other ways as well. Otherwise, GV Beats will catch you on Wrong Play 7pm UK time on RadioSega.net Friday evening. But until then, thank you as always for joining me on the current edition of my VGM Chair.
0: to the KNGI Network.